0: Welcome to Pouring Over Pages, a podcast of words and wine. I'm Alexa. And I'm Maritza. Time to pop bottles and read novels. Yay! Yay. We, um, if you've been following us, you know that we are not in Miami right now. We are actually in the Finger Lakes. The Finger Lakes, you ask. Where is that? It is in upstate New York, Um, so if you're in New York City, just pop on up and uh, you'll be in this amazing winemaking region where there is a multitude of things to do, from nature hikes to waterfalls to drinking wine, obviously. There's lakes in the name, so you know you're going to do some water sports and some boating, Um, and there's so much history here. Yeah,
1: there's plenty to do for the nerds. Which is great, which is great.
0: <laughs> you could go read under a tree, Martha. You yes. could read under a-
1: <laughs> well, that's been that's been my move.
0: And so we're here in the Finger Lakes staying at Glen Hollow, the cutest little cottage ripped out of a storybook. It is full of so much history, so much beauty. Um, there's this crazy restoration that the owners did. It's just stunning and there's so much here to see and do. You even have like a waterfall on property that you could walk to. Um. So we've just made this home for the past week while we dive into the region's beauty and history.
1: Yeah, and you might have already heard a little bit about it since we did feature a little bit about our trip to Seneca Falls while we've been here. So during the Good and Mad episode, we do talk a little bit about where we're staying. But we wanted to really focus on that today and talk to Chris and Lisa, who have done such an amazing job of renovating this beautiful property and maintaining it for guests who come and and spend either a few days or a whole week like like we've had a chance to do and really just focus on all of the things that are possible when you stay here, right? So you already mentioned a few, but I think it's really great that the two of you are here today and you can kind of talk to us about the possibilities for other guests. And of course, we want to talk about what we've had a chance to do. So thanks again for for joining us. So if you just want to introduce yourselves really quick to our listeners and that way they can get to know you a little bit.
2: Yeah. Hi, I'm Lisa. I am one of the co-owners of Glen Hollow and also a freelance editor, a sort of consigliere of publishing to help people write their books I focus mostly on social issues, a lot on immigration, ethnographies, uh, even memoirs that are kind of have an ethnographic uh, importance to them. And this is where I do my work. Yeah. Not yeah. not too shabby. What a place <laughs> yeah, to do it.
1: <laughs>
3: I'm also a freelance editor. We actually we have a little shop called Glen Hollow Inc. And um, in that regard, I do some work for higher ed publishing in a digital capacity. And then I also help folks with their manuscripts. And while at the same time finishing up my own novel with an MFA program.
0: Fun, amazing. And I know, I know, Chris, you have some some family history more so up here. Lisa, you have a background. You came from Texas and and you guys live in Brooklyn. What what drew you here? What drew you to this cottage in particular in the region? Just just I want to want to dive deeper into that.
2: Well, I had never even heard of the Finger Lakes, which I'm sure is true for a lot of people. Okay. I'm, I grew up on a ranch in Texas and then spent my life in New York City in publishing. So we were tootling around just seeing the sites here, which is where Christopher grew up. And I fell in love with Finger Lakes. I have never seen as beautiful a region. Spent a lot of time in Napa because I love wine and did almost all my early discoveries of wine through California. And when I got here, I couldn't believe how much more beautiful this wine region was because I'd always had Napa as the epitome of of wine beauty Mm -hmm. in my mind. The lakes. There are 11 of them, I think. Um, These beautiful glacier-driven lakes and the greenery, the water, the fall foliage is incredible. I just, I guess I just fell in love with the region. And when I think about my own background in English literature and the lake district poets, I thought those lake district poets don't have anything on the Finger Lakes. (laughs) So I wanted to be here. Yeah,
3: I kept telling her how terrible the winters were. I said it's really not all that it's cracked up to be, and she got here and she looked around and said, "It's a winter wonderland." Is it really? But yeah, it really is. It's really that. It is that beautiful. It's kind of crazy.
0: Definitely. So it is a place for all the seasons to experience. Yeah. There's so much history embedded in this house, and we're lucky enough to run into the architect when we were here, and he gave us a little bit of tidbit. Um, tell us, tell us our listeners a little bit about that, the history, because I feel like that that just enriches the experience here.
3: Yes, uh, there used to be a very large mansion across uh, the street on the lake called Willowbrook. It's the house where Humphrey Bogart grew up. And after that, the new owners decided that they wanted to build a garage. Well, it wasn't an easy thing in 1924 to do that. So a hundred years have have gone by since then. That little cottage and once was a garage is now a, a beautiful cottage that we've restored. Uh, to be a place where people can come and visit and explore the area.
2: The thing about the fact that it was started out as a garage, it's kind of a misnomer because it looks like a French chateau. The reason that it looks like a French chateau is because the only people who could own cars at that time were really wealthy. So their garages were showpieces sort of ostentatiously showing off their wealth. They couldn't build in wood because it was fire because of fire so they (laughs) had to build in stucco and plaster the way this cottage is so they the architect who was local to the area did it in french style because that looked french to him so we have this uh, adorable french chateau looking cottage because they were otherwise there would be a fire hazard which is what happened to the mansion it burned down so (laughs) the garage stays (laughs) which is not, looks like a garage at all. At all. (laughs) But the mansions, almost all of them were either burned down or destroyed by floods because they're next to the lake. Yeah. And they're built in wood.
1: I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that that's something important to know. because when I first saw the property and Chris, you mentioned that this was a garage, I was like, "Mm, what do you mean? Right? It's just, it looks so obviously like a home Mm -hmm. and it's such an interesting part of the history too right to think about how this was a generation of people that this was how they showed their wealth to the rest of their community right and so it stands as like a a little kind of what's the word a
0: time capsule yeah a little time
1: capsule of what this of what this place has been
2: so for me I was also uh, as a as a student of art and as a student of literature and as a graduate in my you know college days The fact that it looks like a European cottage that you might have read about. I had Christopher, when we were driving along Canandaigua Lake, just say, stop the car. (laughs) And at that point, I put a little note in the screen door saying, if you ever sell this place, please call me. And they did.
1: Wow. Look at that. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that
2: story. Yeah. Such (laughs) luck. I love it. (laughs) That means it was meant for you. Destiny. It was. Destiny. Destiny.
3: And we owe a debt of gratitude to a person um, named James Dudson Morgan, who did the first renovation back in 1960, transforming this place. He was an actor, went on to Hollywood, but also had love for historic architecture. And so when a little one-room schoolhouse was being torn down nearby, he incorporated all the brick, this big, glorious fireplace you see behind us, all these historic beams all came from that little one-room schoolhouse that dated back to 1850. So a lot of those historic details are on the interior and the exterior were all incorporated by that gentleman. And it's one of the reasons why we're now uh, listed on the National Register of Historic Places.
0: No, it's amazing. I love all the details you put into it. We see a ton of the brick. And then, you know, obviously they had a car because they were super fucking rich, but they also had horses still because the driver had to, he didn't just drive his boss's car. He had to giddy up on a horse and go down. <laughs> <laughs> so so you have all this like stable barnwood almost that you guys reused across the guest house in, in different ways, whether it be on the ceiling, on the walls, in the trim. And it's just those little details that, that bring the story to life and, and make you feel like you're living in history.
1: Yeah. And what insp- what inspired you to want to share this home with others in the way that you're doing now? Because I'm I'm an extremely selfish person. I would just <laughs> I would lock these doors and it would be my little paradise. But it's amazing that you're sharing it with so many people. What how, how did that come about?
2: I have to say, I think that when we moved here, it was such a red district. We felt like we might be the only blue people here. So we started putting out signs for presidential candidates and what have you, and realized that we, we ke- people would stop and talk to us about how they felt the same way. Turns out it's not really all red. We have a lot of Democrats here and that made me think we need to be an epicenter mm-hmm. for yeah. the kind of people, like-minded people who need a place to gather and to promote their views, our views, of our values, and that really drew us to a community of Uh, like-minded people in politics but also like-minded people in the arts so we have just become this kind of epicenter it's a kind of community center for the people who who we want to spend time with anyway but who because of the beauty of the place stopped to talk to us and it just grew out of that
3: yeah and not for nothing it it really it was in some ways not only um come up came out of what we, our beliefs, but a certain time as well. I mean, we were escaping corporate life out of New York. We still have attachments to publishing for sure, but we had left the the, the mainstream publishing grind, if you will, the corporate grind. And this was a wonderful place to do that in. But it also happened at the, the rise of a certain someone of orange paler that we won't really refer to beyond He who beyond shall that.
1: not be named, like Baltimore. Be, exactly, named.
3: exactly. And we found that in this community, there were plenty of folks who, didn't necessarily reveal themselves as registered Democrats, but were also were registered Republicans or independents who were completely thrown off by this person. And we're ready for a change and we're ready to think differently about community, whether that's community writ large, our nation, or community writ small, our, our little town here.
2: Lots and lots of women with their hair on fire. I will guarantee you. Yes. Yeah, Which is one of the
1: reasons why we chose Good and Mad, because she emphasizes that so much in the book, that it was really Voldemort's rise that made, you know, it just, it made so many women so angry. And we all asked ourselves, well, what can we do to help? How can we get involved? How can we make sure that we don't move in that direction? So it's just really interesting that all of those things are, are so connected here in the house, in this community with you, and obviously with your publishing background. And it's just, it was, it was really the perfect conversation
0: to have. No, most definitely, and we we spoke a little bit about politics, and I know that's hard a lot of times to put put yourself out there as a brand and put yourself out there as a business and, and be true to yourself and your values and your your ideals. So, tell me a little bit more about why it's so important to to support Glen Hollow in this empowerment brand kind of way that right, you guys are not, taking. You're not
1: just an Airbnb, right? You're, yeah, you're a place that. that you open it up to like-minded people, to people in the arts.
0: It's
2: a creative hub.
0: Yes, exactly. And that's not the norm when you're when you're scrolling through Airbnbs and you're right. like Exactly.
2: <laughs> well, in addition to being on the National Registry for Historic Places, because we love history, we discovered or Christopher introduced me to the whole social history of the region huge social history and women's rights right on in the neighboring town of Canandaigua was where Susan B. Anthony was tried for voting. Yeah. Yeah. So that just thrilled me of course, as it does so many people. And then I, and then we have uh, the hall of fame of all of the early suffragettes right down the road in uh, Seneca Falls. So I think that a lot of just discovering of myself of the region my own values just tied together. We had a lot of people who came to us because they wanted to do wellness things along our, we have um, a stream uh, gully right next to our house, which leads up to the waterfall that you mentioned. they have been doing walks for that, that streams on our property. So they have to have an easement. So we were happy to continue the easements, allow public people to come and see this beautiful part of the world. And they are all interested in wellness because of the beauty, the natural beauty of the region. We're very close with Shimmering Light Farm, who does Shinrin-yoku tours of of the Glen.
3: Forest immersion.
2: And all of these healing, like we're healing from corporate America. People are trying to heal from the vicissitudes of our political situation right now. I believe writing is a form of healing. So all of these things kind of, kind of, just tied
0: together for us.
3: And this all preceded COVID and COVID, I think mm-hmm. just amplified that and the need for it e- even further. So yeah, absolutely.
0: Wonderful. And I love how some of the activities down here are so also tied to to your beliefs. We, we stopped by a ton of wineries. Um, one of them was actually Billsboro, where we actually sat in on Democratic campaign. For Liz Yackel, for county clerk. Yeah, yeah. It all starts
2: at the local level. (laughs) Yeah,
0: It does start at the local level. And I love, you know, I love wine, obviously. But it was great to see, you know, a small business owner like that supporting local politics and not being afraid that someone might not like it. And while we were sitting there, she was telling us, yeah, you know, if some person drives up with a bumper sticker of Trump, yeah, I'm going to scream inside. I'm going to be like, but I'm going to serve them like everyone else, and it's my job to create an inclusive place. I'm not here to bar people.
3: I thought that was a, a point that she made that I thought was so so well made uh, by Kim, and and we feel the same way. We uh, we open our doors to anyone who wants to stay here and share in this beautiful place. But at the same time, we also recognize that the kind of place that this is—the beauty, the history, folks on wellness—there are, are folks that will be really attracted to. What we think about community and what we think positive energy means when we try to apply that to community, our feeling is that more people are going to be attracted to that than repelled by that.
2: And honestly, the idea that you meet one person and that changes your views. If you know one gay person, you are no longer homophobic. If you meet one black person, it takes a toll on the ideas that you might have had. I feel like if they just meet one Democrat that they like... (laughs) Yes. We all realize that we're not demons. Yes. We're actually people who care about our community <laughs> okay. and just like them want clean lakes, clean air, and a great
0: place for our children to grow up. Yeah, that's true. Definitely. Yes, and then, me, because of course I, I'm super into wine and all that. I love how um, Heron Hill has a tasting room literally down the street from you guys
3: proximity to good wine was important for us. Yeah. <laughs> I will just say that. There's no doubt about it. There's a lot of great growers and people doing wonderful things here. Uh, the Ingle Vineyards, as you mentioned, um, there at Heron Hill are some of the oldest vines in the region. Um, uh, John Ingle was one of the the very early founders of modern winemaking m- here in the region and just celebrated their 50th anniversary. And we're, we're delighted uh, to share them, folks that stay here. But also inspire more and and other places too.
2: We're on the Canandaigua Wine Trail, actually. That is part of the the road that's in front Mm -hmm. of us is called the Canandaigua Wine Trail. And one of the reasons that he's laughing about this is whenever we would visit Napa in our corporate days when we had an office over in Mm -hmm. San Francisco, we'd always shoot up there. He always said, I wanna live in wine country. And then we got here and we're like, "Oh, we live in wine country, so amazing. (laughs) And right here, And it's affordable, which is so problematic for the rest of the world often around these fancy wineries. Mm -hmm. But here it's affordable. So we discovered a whole different kind of wine. I mean, Napa is famous for its buttery Chardonnays and its its Cabernets, which of course I love. This region is famous for its Rieslings and a lot of Germanic wines um, that you might find in the Alsace. And... I didn't know anything about those wines. In fact, I had to kind of look down my nose at those wines because I'd grown up learning about these other things. Then I discover, oh my gosh, the wide array of different kinds of Rieslings are not all sweet. Mm-hmm. They're, they're sweet, of course, because people like that for dessert. They're semi-sweet because some people like that. And then there's a huge number of bone-dry Rieslings as we found from, from Living Roots, which is right down the road from us as well. So I got a re-education, which is so fun. Um, as a and I have spoken. You never stop learning when you're doing something with wine. It's like reading books; you never yeah. stop learning, and that's one of the joys I think of living in a wine region.
3: Yeah, I, I was I was drawn to the fact that I think the aha moment for me was when we brought up two of our very close friends from New York City, who actually spend most of their wine life uh, drinking European wines and spend most of their leisure time in Europe. And so they, and and looked down their nose as American wine because what they see as American wine is really based out of California. And when they came up here and we introduced them to the wineries here, when they saw the expression of Cab Franc, the expression of Riesling, um, even the Chablis style Chardonnays, they were blown away because the profile was so much more similar to the kind of European wines that they loved. And at that point we realized, oh, we really need to open this corridor, facilitate this corridor between upstate New York and downstate in any way possible. And of course, anyone else wants to discover this region, uh, but that became certainly a thing for us.
0: Most definitely. And um, we had the the pleasure of meeting Cameron from Hosmer Winery the other day. And it really struck me that he was speaking about when he first started, because he was kind of like forced into winemaking, and he's like, "Okay, should I guess we're making wine?" And he didn't. He admittedly said at first it wasn't done really well. And and I think a lot of people who don't know about the Finger Lakes think of that past history and think about like the sweet, overly sweet, kind of slushy made wines that aren't of quality, and don't realize that this region has really become elevated. That it really has changed and become a wine region to be reckoned with. When I went to the Riesling camp by the Finger Lakes Wine Alliance last year, um, one of the comments that struck me in one of the panels I took was, you know what Germany was 20 years ago? That's where we are now, like climate wise, making wines wise, like everything has aligned and it's, it's making those amazing kind of European inspired wines that are in your backyard. And you don't really and they're affordable. They're in your backyard. They're affordable. They're tasty. And they also have fun here. They they experiment with different varieties and you know, mix it up like saparavi. (laughs) When have you tried saparavi? No, come to the finger lakes and have some. (laughs)
3: Absolutely. I mean, the the range of wines that are being made here is is broad, as as Lisa said. And you know, for those uh, for some folks who are new to wine and want to discover it, I think it's also very approachable. Mm-hmm. One of the things that people say is, "This is wow." Well. I remember back in the day, we could go to Sonoma and actually talk to the winemaker or talk to the people that are a lot closer. Well, you can do that here. I mean, this is a place where you can come. Uh, you go into the tasting room, uh, if you're at cuca Lake Vineyard, and, and Mel, who's the the owner and winemaker, could be right there. And that's true for a, a lot of folks. I mean, Vice, uh, one of our favorites, and Domaine Lesseur over on uh Sebastian Lesseur or Peter Weiss could be pouring wine any day that you go in there. And even if they're not there, the people that they do have there are, are super knowledgeable uh, and ready to walk you through their portfolios of wine
0: yeah i love how a lot of these are family operations like a lot of these are several generations deep of of family members you know someone's in the tasting room someone's making the wine someone's running the operation so it does you do feel that love and connection within these wines too there's like more more heart to them
1: yeah Yeah. yes and i think and i and just to kind of piggyback off your point about them being approachable i agree with that and i and i want to emphasize the point that people who come to this region even if you don't know that much about wine, it's a good place to start mm-hmm. because it's not it's not necessarily all you're going to do if you don't want to, right? Like yeah. there's nature, there's Seneca Falls, there's there's so much history, there's so much for you to do that you can pepper it in and get a little taste of it, no pun intended, <laughs> but really kind of learn in your own way and, and really slow down. I mean, I was really impressed by, by just the fact that everyone that spoke to us at each winery was so like the opposite of snobby, right? Like yeah. everyone was just so keen to share what they produce because they love it. And there's just this really positive kind of vibe that goes with it. So everyone, I mean, I just felt so welcome everywhere that I went. It feels like a community that is just proud of what they're doing. And I, I don't think that you can mimic that. That's a very natural thing. You either have it or you don't. And this area definitely does. And that was probably one of my favorite things to, to experience and to really feel while I
0: was here. Um, we spoke about some of the delicious wine, which we part we partake in so much, so much wine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we also, as you guys know, we love history and we love, you know, current events. So we did visit other sites, um, in the Finger Lakes.
1: Yeah. And for me, I mean, I keep, I keep bringing this up, but like going to Seneca Falls was just so, so moving. It was so important. I think for us to, um, to see it, to experience it, to have a moment there and that it's, so close right it's just like it's a stone's throw away which really makes you feel confident and that if you stay here everything is kind of within arm's reach but it was wonderful to go it was it was very emotional for me and and we were talking about this casually you know last night but just the fact that we're able to to look at this at at this beautiful like visitor center and learn about the history and also acknowledge that you know it propelled us to where we are but that a lot of it was also either not featured in our history books or right. that, you know, Elizabeth Cady Stanton maybe wasn't perfect, okay. <laughs> you know, like you're looking at history through, through the lens of where these things actually happened. And it was just really, really moving. And, and I highly recommend that anyone come to, that comes to this area that they take advantage and that they go because it's, it informs everything that we experience today. It's still very much a part of our lives today.
2: So this region was called the burned-over region when it became very progressive. Burned-over meant by burned-over by the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And the progressive movement were, people in the progressive movement were all over this region. They were what made it the burned-over region. So you had abolitionists. The NAACP was founded upstate a little bit far from here. The NAACP was founded in this area. So we were part of the Underground Railroad. So it's not just Revolutionary War, although it was a big part of the Revolutionary War. You still have graveyards with Revolutionary, not Civil War, Revolutionary mm-hmm. um, soldiers are buried. But also the things that that drive us, that make us feel like life is meaningful, it has always had a history here in this area, the Burned Over Region, and all of the all of the movements of the Progressive Period, all of them sort of come together here. Frederick Douglass lived up the street. Yeah. So that is part of kind of our history as well. Uh, I mean, and certainly the we're known as a history of uh, we're on the women's history trail, but there's a lot of history here with progressive movements, uh, including the Underground Railroad. Harriet Tubman's house is down the road. Um, what a you've seen her documentary. What an amazing, brave person that she was, and um, I'm excited to be a part of that and to sort of bring that part of our history back.
3: And in addition to that, I mean, one of the things that was moving to me, it was to see how well the Visitor Center also gives acknowledgement to the roots of the Haudenosaunee and the five nations of the Haudenosaunee and how their social makeup and the way that they're they're matrilineal, the way that a lot of the things that uh, for those of us who are liberal, new age, we sometimes think of some of these aspects and Don't necessarily understand the full history of them, but these were cultural issues and approaches that became known to the founding mothers, to the suffragists. Uh, Elizabeth Cady Stanton was aware of the matrilineal descent and the respect that women had, uh, the fact that clan mothers chose the chiefs. These things made a big impression on those women, and the legendary founding or origin of the Seneca, who were known as the keepers of the Western Door, is literally... Right across the lake from us, uh, at South Hill and Bear Hill, and those things uh, also are uh, amazing things to have here.
2: I think the Haudenosaunee history was really part of the inspiration of the Declaration of Sentiments. Yeah, yeah. yeah. modeled after. Yes, modeled yeah. after their um, their own their own beliefs, and the eagle that's on our on our dollar bill was that's their me. symbol. Oh yeah. So oh, nobody that's... knows how deep. Yeah the um native american influence has been because we just start to take that kind of thing for granted but that eagle which was a symbol for peace among all the tri- all the the iroquois nations yep. is now a symbol on our on our
0: dollar bill yeah that's incredible. We think so much from Native Americans, man. I know. And yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, this is really, yeah, this is, I'm glad that you mentioned that because this is a great place to to learn about that and that the fact that they were so inspirational to the women's movement is really, really fascinating and a connection that not a lot of people would make and a connection I certainly didn't have no. in my history book
2: when I was that's in right. school. At all. No,
3: that's right. I yeah. Sometimes I remember to mention Red Jacket as a, a powerful orator who influenced the early founding fathers but you know, only sometimes. And he also, his home was nearby uh, down on the Lake Wine Trail Right, we drove by the other day.
0: Amazing. It's amazing. So we have this amazing spot. So much history. So much to do. To, to do. A wealth of information. Um, so I just kind of want to touch upon the, the work you guys do with these writing retreats, with that literary background of yours, how you put that to use over here, and kind of like what... What is the future of Glen Hollows? I know that's a lot of questions in one,
3: but just (laughs) let's unpack. I mean, in terms of the future, I think a lot of it is guided by the past. And one of the things that we have talked a little bit about is our emphasis on discovery and advocacy. But one of the other things that we really lean into here is creativity and the importance of creating. We, of course, love to support creators like yourself. Uh, and creatives who come here. We have been visited and people who stayed here who are Oscar-winning filmmakers, as well as award-winning poets. Uh, We do have a partnership with the Academy of American Poets. The winners of the Lenore Marshall Prize uh, can stay here, and we're, we're thrilled that several have. So that's definitely something in our future. We have, as you mentioned, we have been the home for Writers' Retreats in the past, and we hope to do that To continue that in the future.
2: So appropriately, because of the storybook setting, the writers retreats that we have annually is a fantasy retreat. So naturally, you come here and you feel like you're in Rivendell. So uh, that has been a mainstay of our, we always have an annual fantasy retreat. But then with people who are our clients, they come here and stay with us and we can workshop their works one-on-one, as well as these Annual fantasy retreats that we love and have now become really close friends with a lot of people who come here year after year.
3: That's true. Through Glen Hollow Inc., we do have some private clients, and those folks have come to stay here and we worked on uh, and workshop their books. Part of that.
0: And you guys showed us a book that you worked on, kind of about the region. Tell us a little bit about that. That is a great
2: combination of art and 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 folklore, history, art and history. There's a an, an amazing artist, Anna Obermeyer, who did these fantastic fantasy-driven paintings of different areas. So one of Bear Hill, which is the birthplace of the Seneca, Bear being naked, not Bear being bears (laughs) (laughs) because it has no vegetation on it. Um, There's a whole myth around that about how it became bare. Uh, She did beautiful she did a beautiful painting of our house because it's on the National Historic Registry but it's the Bristol Hills Historical Society that sponsored that book in collaboration with this artist and each of us who have a historic place in that book wrote a 300 word explanation for the history that was really outshone by how beautiful the art was but (laughs) it's trying to keep history alive, because as people are dying off, mm-hmm. we're losing our history. Yeah. So this was a very important project for the Bristol Hills Historical Society to keep people know, keep the folklore that has been handed down orally from being lost. Mm-hmm. And that was one of Christopher's projects as editor this past year.
3: Yeah, and an interesting oral tales, um, some old, some preserved, and some new, actually. So there was some that uh, it is history and mystery, and, and there is... We had some fun with it, too. So we definitely honored the history here, but also had some some interesting new flair for some tales in there as so well. So the mystery the
2: part, if I may speak over here, the mystery part is we're on a haunted trail. We're the only mm. state in the country that actually has a haunted trail. <laughs> Our home has been cleansed of ghosts, we're told. I haven't felt them. Others felt them. I felt there was a need to cleanse. We can
1: attest to that. We did not experience anything (laughs) like that. And I'm so sensitive to those things. Like If I tell you that it's cleansed, it's cleansed. So we're
2: cleansed, but the paranormal is a big part of our history. Yeah. And our historical society building, they have brought in people. It may be a scam, who knows? But they brought in people who think they can identify with some kind of fancy... Um, equipment, equipment, I don't know what it's called, and they have taken pictures of sites, something, something something there, there, something there there that they think is a portal to another world. This is really deep-seated in our our local history is how many ghosts are here up the hill. They think that there was a songstress who comes back to sing, who was put out by her people, and because of some love Issue and comes back and sings plaintively to, to and has, for her lover, yeah, her lost lover.
3: She's been seen at the top of the glens, uh, the glens right. that kind of come down to the brooks that cut these glens through into the lake, and she's been seen at the top of the, the bluffs there.
2: And supposedly, you hear organs. It was called um, a little church. There were so many churches here as part of the Over region. She was supposedly you can still hear the organs playing in the hills at night. So There's a lot episodes. of haunted Spooky. history here. Yep. That if you like that kind of thing, and most of us now love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you kind of embrace it as part of our
0: history. Yeah. How fun! <laughs> How's Halloween here?
3: Oh well, we are we are planning to have the 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 second Glen Halloween oh. here, so we are definitely looking forward to having some fun with that and that definitely is a tradition that that we're looking to forward to repeating.
2: There are a lot of Halloween parties here. Yeah. I can tell you I can that. Imagine. I love it. It's my favorite holiday, so I'm like it must be bananas over here.
0: I love it. Anything else? We Any did? last fun Final facts that fun you would want our or... listeners to know about?
3: Um, I would certainly encourage folks to to follow our Instagram uh, channel, Uh Glen FLX, as part of the wellness, the history, the mysteries that Lisa's talking about. I mean, not for nothing, I, I am an aspiring uh, fantasy novelist, and it's been wonderful that right across the way, the the legend of Bear Hill includes what is essentially a dragon. That fell and rolled down that hill and coughed up a bunch of skulls. And these uh, these stones, the turtle stones, are now arrayed in front of our in front of our home. We do have fantasy cosplayers who have come here, other creatives and um, Instagram influencers, not just in the the wine and food and tourist, but also cosplayers of fantasy and fantasy motifs have come here. Uh, because this place really lends itself to that. So there's uh, some interesting things to see in that challenge.
2: And I think the greenery is just part of it. It's a real gardening mecca. There are so many garden clubs here. We have spent a lot of time trying to create a, uh, an English garden here. Yes. And in our grounds, we have different areas where the barn had fallen down because it was a rural area. We used that same wood to build a shed that mimicked the structure of the, of the barn. And then on the foundations of that barn, we have on the foundations of the chicken coop is now a greenhouse on the foundations of one of the um, horse barns is is now a place where we can have a fire pit and sort of fall kind of fun. Then we have a meditation garden. All of these are built on the foundations of the of the barn that was here. So it's a it's a, a wonderful kind of discovery for us just to keep our own history alive.
3: Mm-hmm. And yeah. A place great place to get a massage <laughs> because <laughs> we have built into that also a, a sauna, a room uh, where we have a licensed massage therapist, um, Chelsea, who comes in, and then we also have a hot tub so. Uh, in addition to all the other magic you can discover here, you can also find the, the magic of massage.
0: Yes, you can also just relax, take some time, and, yep. and we read, read a book. Read a book. a book outside. Good and Mad comes to mind. Good and, <laughs> good mad. and mad in yeah. the
1: greenhouse. That was my personal yes. favorite location. We needed location.
0: A, a massage after finishing Good and Mad, so yep. <laughs> we exactly. enjoyed that, definitely. Chelsea's exactly. awesome.
1: Well, we can't thank you both enough for sharing all of this with us for sharing your home with us mm-hmm. for really just giving us a chance to learn about a place that I mean Alexa had been here for Riesling camp but I have never been here and I it's it's way more than I imagined that it would have been and so I can't thank you both enough for opening your home to us and for sitting down with us today and I hope that anyone who's listening that again follow the Instagram glen hollow flx and that you just check out you know check out the region come stay here and you know
0: you'll you'll really be in for a treat Definitely. You will, you'll thank us. Thank us later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: thank us later after you've had a chance to visit and stay here. But again, thank you, Chris and
0: Lisa. You guys are the best.
3: Well, thank you now. Thank you. <laughs> well, <thanks for> coming. <laughs> really thank you so much. We love so, having you.
0: Yes. You're such gracious host. Thank you all for listening. We always so, so, so appreciate it. If you liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe to our podcast. Give us all the stars, all the likes. You could follow us on Instagram at, Pouring Over Pages podcast, sign up for our newsletter, get some merch on our Etsy shop. And until next time,
1: we always cheers. There's no wine glasses this time, but but you can (laughs) take our word for it that we're all cheersing, even if it's with water bottles. (laughs) Cheers. (laughs)